Hello and welcome to the 49th episode of DRF's Iraqis Podcast. I'm Joey Brash, joined by my two co-hosts today. That's right. He's been updated, upgraded to a full co-host. Thomas Gifford and William Gifford. William, since you're uh, some new blood here, why don't you uh, say hi to the crowd? Hello, everybody. It's, uh, it's a true honor to have been upgraded from a recurring guest to a co-host. And... I'm just wondering when my benefits will kick in. I have not, I have not, I have yet to receive a paycheck. It's coming. All right. Right, Thomas? Well, I'm pretty sure this is, this is starting with a temp position. And then yeah. there's a three-month evaluation period where we see if we want to take you on full-time. And that's when the benefits really start kicking in, like salary. Got it. Salary. Mm-hmm. Health. Dental. Yeah. Well, dental, uh, that's asking for a lot. Yeah. You can take care of your teeth. Just brush your teeth. Just brush your teeth and floss like every week or so. Uh, yeah, even like every other week. I floss twice a year when I go to the dentist. Oh no, that's not enough flossing. That's well, you're gonna have to start doing it on your own because you're not getting dental care from us. This is really this has really gone off the rails. No, I disagree. I think that we're right on topic. All right. You need yeah, to you floss know what, more. William, I don't know if, if you don't understand the culture of this podcast or something, but we usually start with some witty, unrelated banter at the beginning, and then we sort of transition in to the more uh, on-topic kind of stuff. I mean, if that's not what you're into, you know, there's the door, metaphorically. Yeah, have you ever listened to a successful podcast uh, other than ours? Successful podcast? There's always some non-sequiturs, some personal anecdotes. And then you start talking about Bill Schmidt. Bill Schmidt needs to see a dentist, in my opinion. How's that for a segue? I, <laughs> Terrible. I, I don't know. I haven't seen his teeth. Yeah. I, it could be right. I mean, I, I, I feel like if if I did a Google search for Bill Schmidt teeth, I probably wouldn't get anything uh, of value. I could be wrong. Maybe. You know, the first picture are... you get of Bill Schmidt when you just Google his name is... You know, he has like this little half smile where he can't decide whether he wants to smile, and yeah, it looks like some pretty solid teeth. No, I think he's self-conscious about his smile. I don't think he likes to show them off. It's, it's an awkward decision. I always feel awkward, especially if it's like an official thing. Like, are you going to show your teeth in the in the company uh, on your company ID card? Like that? That's a bold decision. I did not for my Amazon card. I did. I just did a nice little grin, half grin. As about as happy as I was um, the entire summer. That that little half grin was summarized everything. Honestly, you can make fun uh, of his hair a lot, but I, I don't think his teeth are the first thing to really. He really, he guy. really just he has a stupid. He has a stupid face. Uh, if we could cut right to the chase, he has he has a punchable and stupid face. I disagree. Yeah, I I disagree. He, he just looks like every like. 60 year old white man I say he looks seen. like our father what are you talking about he does not look like our father he looks a little bit he, like our father I, <laughs> he does look like your father yeah <laughs> when raymond doesn't have that haircut no for you know he goes no. a month a month overdue with a haircut yeah that's yeah, that's no. raymond right there i take back the punchable yeah. face comment no I, I don't think you, you can you made it it's I, like to, I like i think, I'd like I think formally, you want to punch your dad i think i want to formally retry. well my dad has a little more of a square face so it's a little cuter yeah i guess that, so. yeah your dad is cute <laughs> he's, he's really he really is pretty cute just uh, uh <laughs> cute cute old yeah. man 
<laughs> how did we get here do we have to go through it or was that a rhetorical question? <laughs> no no I, that was rhetorical definitely rhetorical. okay <laughs> just make yourself clear when that happens because you know i'm not too good with social cues all right sorry my bad i'll do better in the future um, so yeah, Bill Schmidt, he's going to be the Rockies GM for the next, I don't know, 12 years if we're being conservative. Yeah. Yeah, no, it, it certainly is looking that way. What what are what were your immediate reactions? I mean, to his hiring generally or to the um I, I mean, to, let's to just the talk, announcement like, that he that was yeah. yeah, changing from interim to full-time. I don't think that has been made official yet, just to be clear. Um, there, there have been reports that the Rockies are, you know, I, I think it even go further than leaning towards, but like, I, you know, he had, he's the heavy favorite to get the job. I don't know. It, it goes, it's, it's a long pattern. I don't have much to say about Bill Schmidt. Like personally, I don't, you know, he's been the head of the draft for a while for the Rockies he's had some hits he's had some misses I don't really know where he ends up but the fact that you know the Rockies are hiring another or appear to be hiring another internal candidate um, for the top job is uh it's more of the same right I mean uh, when when Jeff Breidich was fired or resigned I'm not quite sure what happened there I was hopeful that, you know, maybe this organization wouldn't change uh, in, entirely, but Dick Montfort was recognizing that certain things had to be done different. I don't know if that's actually true. I think Breidich may have just been the fall guy for the uh, Arenado fallout, and that's really all it came down to. I mean, if, if this happens, if Bill Schmidt is named the permanent GM, which I I would say is probably like 90% likely, if not more at this point. It's it's bad. I will not be happy. And uh, I don't know why I've come to expect anything different at this point. Yeah, that's my biggest takeaway. It's just more of the same from this incompetent ownership team we have with uh, Dick and Charles. They are um, they're nothing but not predictable so i guess you can applaud them for that but yeah just hiring another inside guy who's going to be um not going to make any real changes or even allowed to make any real changes might be the uh, better point it's it's not surprising in the slightest i i'm gonna try try to be a little bit more optimistic here because yes no an an in-house hire from a team that's been rudderless for about two decades now is is not an encouraging sign. I'm I'm not on balance. I'm not thrilled with this decision, but I, I don't know. He seems relatively competent. He he has been in charge of the, the draft for like basically the entire time the franchise has existed. And you know, obviously there are some famous misses in in the the history of the Colorado Rockies drafting, but honestly it's not that bad you know when you think of the the superstars that the rockies have had over the course of you know its history it's almost been exclusively developed from within with the exception of who uh cargo and maybe i guess walker um yeah larry walker but you know that that's going back a little ways and 
obviously there's been a lot more good players coming from within the the system so i do think that he might have some skill when it comes to spotting talent um that's that's it that's the silver lining that i can find everything else is just makes me think he's a perhaps older gentleman who has some older ideas about the way baseball should run and he's fully just a mouthpiece for the Montfort, you know, let's create a, a good culture and the winning will come, um, which really just means a bunch of, uh, you know, a bunch of Christian guys typically. So I, I'm not encouraged, but that's that's my silver lining. What, what do you guys think about that? I, I think that's not a bad suggestion. I think that the interviews I've read with Schmidt, he certainly seems... Um, better with the media more personal than Breidich was which I know is you know a very low bar to cross but it does seem that way that he's actually like willing to talk about people and not insulting or condescending um so I guess that's good um you know the the fact that there you know there are 30 of these jobs and uh and the Rockies have what had four general managers in their time isn't that right wasn't there i forget what his name was but there was one guy before dan o'dowd and then o'dowd breidich and now schmidt i mean this is certainly not something that uh the montforts like to play around with and i don't know just the lack of creativity when the arenado trade happened a lot of people put the uh put the blame on Breidich and obviously Breidich deserves some blame he did not really do anything well um but the point we've made and been making for years is that ultimately it really doesn't come down to him he we don't know how much autonomy he really had and I think that that likely remains to be the case and uh, I, I guess when Jeff Breidich was fired I thought it was perhaps some amount of Dick Montfort saying, you know what, I I need to change how I do things, oh. the way I'm running this organization, um, and and I know that that's that seems crazy that everything we we know about Montfort suggests that's not to be the case, but I was you know somewhat hopeful. I was hopeful that a move at the top of the front office meant something. It appears that it doesn't, and and I think that. Uh, the hiring of Bill Schmidt and his decisions that he's made so far, which or lack or thereof, lack really, exactly. because um, have proved that that ultimately the main philosophy right now is that this is not a team that has some sort of structural issues and a lack of talent needs improved player personnel, but rather this is a team that has underperformed and the players just aren't playing well. I, I don't see that changing under a Bill Schmidt regime. Frankly, if they hired someone from outside, I'm not sure I'd see that changing either. But if they go with Schmidt, I think that is clearly going to be the case. Now, the thing that I uh, I keep looking at is we're, we're not a we're a bad team. The Rockies, you know, they're, they're bad, but we're not we're not bad, you know. Like, we're going to win, like, 72, 70, 73 baseball games this year. And that's, that's simply just not bad enough to have a complete overhaul in what, uh, how the baseball operations have been 
running. I think I saw the the quote there. The quotes that have come out after the trade deadline was that the Rockies and Bill Schmidt were planning on signing a couple of veteran bats, bolstering the bullpen a little bit, and trying to make a run at that second wild card again. Now, I don't think that is the most realistic of possibilities, but the stat that came out the other week was if the Rockies were 11 games under 500 on the road, they would be tied for a wild card spot right now. So this has been a it's been a very very strange team, one of the strangest teams I've ever seen, not only as a Rockies fan but just watching baseball for my entire life. Is this team is a 109 win team at home and a 39 win team on the road, which is something something is strange. But yeah, the the, the point is that Rockies are not bad enough to you know have eyes be open to what is going on i mean do you and this is a question for both of you do you guys because i'm going to be honest you know and i'm sure this is true for almost every rockies fan the rockies are not nearly as bad as i thought they'd be oh no you know no and and i don't know if that's like the rockies are playing like 10 wins above their you know what they actually should be playing like i don't know if that's the case I don't know if, you know, it's simply the case that certain guys are better than they thought we, than we thought they were. Like, you know, a lot of these rotation guys like Austin Gomber, you know, some of the catching core has really stepped up. Some of the younger players like Brendan Rodgers and Ryan McMahon have taken steps forward. CJ Crone has proven to be a good addition. And, and it's just sort of the question now is like, okay, at this point, I still think pretty much the right move with this team although i'm not even sure they have the assets to do that this at this point would be to strip it down for parts and rebuild from scratch i don't think that's gonna happen so i mean at, at this point do you think that they should go out and sign you know a couple veteran bats and maybe get another couple good low risk bullpen options or I mean, what what would be your reaction if they go out and sign? I don't know, I don't know who's going to be a free agent, but like you know, like a, a to go in the past, like a Michael Kadire type. If they go out and get someone like that to like a a three year, forty million dollar deal, I mean, what would you think of that at this point? You know, I I uh, I have I have a lot of thoughts on on everything that you just said, Joey, because you covered a lot of ground there. I think that the current state of the Baltimore Orioles is a moral affront to sporting in the world. I, I think that it's wrong. I think that it's it's incorrect that they go out there every day and try to play baseball. And so I, through perhaps uh, waiting the Orioles experience a little bit too much, but also looking at you know the the successful rebuilds the. Uh, the Cubs, the the Astros, who basically sacrificed a half decade to be absolutely awful, um, like abs- like unwatchably terrible, uh, with no hopes of anyone you're currently watching actually ever being on the next good team. I I don't think that that is necessary in order to succeed, and I also think that, like I said, I think that it's just a, a bit icky and and wrong. Um, so I don't think the Rockies are necessarily in a place where they need to become the Baltimore Orioles or, you know, 
the pirates or something like that, where they're they're truly don't have any assets. And I think that it's somewhat admirable that they keep putting out a, a decent team every year. Like even this year, that right now the San Diego Padres are closer to the Colorado Rockies than they are the Giants, than than they are the you know winning the division. So like this team is bad, but respectably bad. And I think I would take that. And even if it only results in the team winning 78 games next year instead of, you know, however many they're going to win this year. Honestly, they might win 78. But I, I don't think I'd be necessarily against that because I, I just, I think that the the Tigers, the Cubs, the, the, the Astros, that route is just, it's icky. It's too capitalistic, you know? It's just, it's just too... Uh, cut and dry, hard numbers, things like that. Well, the thing is, they might be forced to go that route if, you know, two of the top five most viable players on the team decide to walk, which is very possible. <laughs> Looking at yeah, yeah, the, cur- the current state of affairs, <laughs> you know, Trevor Story's unrestricted free agent, as is John Gray. You know, Trevor Story already he took himself out of the lineup on trade deadline day because he was so upset that he was still on the Rockies, so... I think the prospects of a long-term contract are looking slim. And then John Gray, I, there's been a little more, little more talk on Twitter that, that that could be a possibility. But if both of those players leave, and then all of a sudden we're left with Herman Marquez, Ryan McMahon, and Brendan Rogers as our team, and Austin Gomber, then you know that that that's a much worse team than we had this year. And so at that point, you have to you have to try to dump everything you can because you're just in a worse spot than we were this year, but not bad enough to be contending for a number one pick. But the, uh, who cares about the number one pick? Like, I, I don't who cares? Like, it's it's the baseball draft. Yeah, the, the, the common, um, you know, the, the reason why the Orioles exist or why the Cubs and the Astros things happened is because front offices were saying there's no difference between a 110 loss team and a 85 loss team the results the same except that you get a better draft pick right and you, you know you, uh, so you i don't think that's actually true though and i think that's thomas's point like i have had fun going to rockies games this year and a lot of that is because they have you know been a 110 win team at home <laughs> yeah um but it's been fun you know and like i I guess if they were like if their win percentage if they lost like you know four out of ten games at home it probably wouldn't be as fun instead they're winning like seven out of ten games at home so that's fun but i don't know i i do think that there is there is something to you know putting trying to put like a good team out there and seeing what happens and and i think it, it seems so archaic because it is because that's just not what teams do and the Rockies are just totally on an island when it comes de- when it comes to that kind of thing and I think the other thing that we worry about is they might try and do that and fail I mean this is a team that has you know had some really great really really great pieces that as you say William now we don't have any more you know Charlie's a shell of his former self Arenado's gone story's gonna be gone and they haven't been able to build around it so there is like the part of it that's like yeah in theory I believe in you know the Rockies a 73 win team going into 2022 and saying 
you know what? Let's go for it. We think if if we improve things here and there, and people, you know, and, and players take a step forward, we think it's possible. I approve of that. I I agree that uh, that seems unfeasible given the kinds of you know decisions we've seen made in in recent years. I think. Good, yeah, I mean, yeah, go for it. A good a good roadmap to look at is the Milwaukee Brewers, which they were a team. That's what I was going to say. Oh, my they, gosh. There we go. They, they <laughs> So adorable. They, they were a Two team. Brothers. I literally have them pulled up right now. Anyway. <laughs> you could go. I do not have them pulled up right now, so you can go into more depth. No, go, go for it. The, the go for spiel. it. But, you know, they were a team back in 2015, 2016 that seemed rudderless, um, not a whole lot of future, uh, future hope. Um, and they did not – you know tear it all down and become a 50 win ball club they sort of rebuilt on the fly with the i mean two big signings being or trades being lorenzo kane and christian yelich which you know a christian yelich type um is not somebody that you're just gonna you know come across every once in a while that's that's sort of a once in a decade type trade in which you're gonna make and have them go on to win an MVP and almost win another. Same with Lorenzo Cain. Um, two, two star outfielders who just happened to be in tough situations that the Brewers capitalized on. They were a little lucky in a sense with how they built this roster, but and how they've filled around it has they've become now a, almost a 100-win ball, ball club, you know? So there is, there is something, too, just like seeing the course – picking up pieces on the way and see what happens because it has it hasn't is working right now yeah and and they've made shrewd moves i i think there are similarities to it and and i'm not gonna say you know herman marquez is as good as you know someone like corbin burns or brandon woodruff or ever will be really but you know that's that was sort of their thing right like we have this this young core of pitchers who we think are going to be really good let's let's build around it and they you know they made those higher profile things they also got like a lot of made a really a bunch of really smart smaller decisions they Mm -hmm. signed yasmani grandal to the one-year deal i mean this season they brought in willie adamas who has you know been like what a four-win player up to this point i mean that's if that's the blueprint go for it i i guess i just want someone other than bill schmidt to be (laughs) uh planning that all right, so in defense of Bill Schmidt here, I I will say that I think one of the main, you know, obviously from the outside looking in, one of the main issues it seemed like with Breidich, and even while he was there, when when he when his job was more secure, it seemed like his people skills were just not not at a, on a level that uh, endeared him to many fans, um, and I would assume that that's probably true for most interpersonal relationships in his life. Uh, not all of them. I'm sure he has many people who love and adore Jeff Breidich. But if I was doing business with someone that was as you know arrogant and just kind of weirdly off-putting as Jeff Breidich, I just might not. I you know like I have 20 other or 28 other people I can go talk to um, who all have baseball players who I can potentially trade for. So I do wonder if just Schmidt's more affable if he has more uh like deep roots in in the or if he has deeper roots in just the the current gm community um you know those those kind of weird little interpersonal relationships could be a strange x factor here so just going through schmidt's history 
he started with the Reds in 82. So, you know, the man's yeah. been in baseball for like, <laughs> you know, a decade longer, decade and a half longer than I've been alive. He worked with the scouting bureau in the late 80s. He worked with the Yankees scouting. Um, he, he scouted for the Yankees from 88 to 95. He served... Uh, he, he served four seasons as the Indians national cr- cross checker. I don't know what that means, to be honest. That's, but, uh, uh, that's it's, what it's, he did. It's, it's a draft thing. Okay, there we go. Yeah. Uh, and and then he's been working with the Rockies since '99. Uh, um, who and he was promoted to the vice president of scouting in '07. So the man has some has you know been in baseball for forever. Like th- this guy probably knows everyone. He's worked from the bottom. He worked in Southern California, he worked with the Yankees, he worked in Cleveland, he's worked in both leagues. So I think that that may be a, a ups, an upside, especially when you look at, I, I and once again, this is, uh, you know, kind of Monday morning quarterbacking here, but it seemed like Bradish just never pulled the trigger on anything. <laughs> um, and the couple times he did, it kind of blew up in his face. So maybe that made him less uh, prone to pull the trigger in the future, but to bringing it back to the 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 Brewers right now, you know their their current lineup is Narvaez, who you know they got from the Mariners, uh, Hira, who who's you know their own development, but has kind of been having a terrible year uh, and has not been playing that much. Uh, Colton Wong, obviously not a not a Brewer. Willie Adonis, they traded for it. Luis Urias, they did they trade for it? they did they snag him from the Padres? I think they traded for him. <laughs> Oh, it's the uh, Trent Grisham trade. Oh, okay, yeah, the Trent Grisham trade. Yeah, yeah obviously Yelich, uh, J- Jackie Bradley Jr., Avisel Garcia. Like all of these people were not Brewers three years ago, right? Like, and and so you can build a team on the fly and and put together a pretty good, uh, a pretty good roster. I mean, that's not even talking about Travis Shaw or Lorenzo Cain, or Rowdy. Is it Rowdy Talese or Rowdy Tellez? Because I've heard it both ways on broadcast. I've heard te- um, I, th- I thought it was Tellez. Yeah, I think it's Tellez. Okay. I could be wrong. I We're going to go with Tellez, because uh, it looks like Tellez. And, and just at one point I heard Talese, and I'm like, that doesn't sound right. And then, obviously, they have an, an amazing uh, rotation, which is really how they got to where they are. But... Like if if someone's just willing to pull the trigger, <laughs> like more often, like you put yourself in a better chance of rebuilding on the fly. That's that's all I'm really trying to say. Well, one one little piece uh, that I'd like to contend with. I mean, first of all, Bill Schmidt has been with the Rockies for 22 years in a role that, uh, as the head of the draft, isn't really much about communication with other teams. You know, you're kind of just doing your own internal thing. You know, I, I, that's true. you know, who, who was, who, is there any GM still standing from 1999? Brian Cashman, maybe, I don't know when he started, but it's Billy Bean. Right. Uh, I he might even been after that, but no, it, bit, it's, uh, it's a new core yeah, and, and, and I'm not sure if there's reason to believe, you know, he actually does have great, I mean, it, it's better than Breitich. Obviously it's going to be better than Breitich. Um, Nevertheless, there are some facts of Bill Schmidt's uh, early tenure with as Rockies interim GM that I think are discouraging. You know, there were lots of reports around the trade deadline of other teams saying like, yeah, we don't really know who to call right now. The other part of this is like, 
basically everyone in the front office has resigned you know not just right. jeff breidich like there's i don't some think mass don't, exodus i don't think they have an analytics department uh, at least they didn't back no, in april no. so that's that's not good yeah. for baseball in everyone the year is resigned no one wants to work there i don't know if this is like if there's going to be some expose in like a year where it's like you know unsafe work environment like nick Groke. kind of nick, thing i and could the, i could see a athletic feature from nick Groke just to tell yeah. all <laughs> he does love to yeah. roast the rockies yeah he does <laughs> it seems to be his beat now <laughs> <laughs> but yeah there was you know no one really knew who to contact. A lot of the Rockies front office as a whole was sort of depleted. And maybe, you know, there there might be part of that that it's just they weren't prepared for this mass exodus and, and they'll readjust at some point. But then the other fact of, you know, I, I don't think I was all that surprised um, that Story didn't go or that Gray didn't go at the trade deadline. But the fact that Story was so upset and clearly believed that uh was was led in a certain way that didn't end up happening you know it's it's just a another example of a rockies general manager alienating one of his good players so i i hope i'm hopeful i i know that he'll be he's better with the media and he'll likely be better with other teams than jeff brightish but i'm just not convinced at this point that bill schmidt is some great communicator and I, you know, he could prove me wrong, but at this point, the early signs are leaning toward uh, more of the same when it comes to those things. So if you're, I put you, either of you in charge, are, uh, are you going for it this off season? Assuming, assuming you can get Trevor Story and John Gray to stay, which is a big assumption. What, what is the next move? Are you looking at this free agent class and thinking, all right, Augusto Garcia, I'll give you a four-year deal. You were, had a great year this year in Milwaukee and come on the team, offer four four wins or so. Um, but so I, I just don't know, even with the big if of these players staying, I don't, I don't know what the next move would be to put us in contention. I mean, I don't think I have necessarily the roadmap to get there. But I also don't think that losing Story and or Gray is the death knell we think it is. You know, if, if just going by pure war here, the baseball reference, Trevor Story is fourth on the team in war. You know, he's he's behind CJ Crone. And, and part of that's, you know, he's, he's he had a rough start to the season, a slow start to the season. He's been picking up since then. But... I, you know, that's two and a half. Let's, you know, by the end of the season, would not be surprised if he got to three, three and a half even, um, if he puts together a really good month. And John Gray is the second best pitcher, you know, marginally over Kyle Freeland. And I, I would say Gomber is actually probably the second best pitcher at this point. Just, you know, inning per inning, he's definitely been more productive than Gray or Freeland. So, you know, you're losing your... your third best hitter and your third best pitcher and I just don't think that that's necessarily the worst thing you know I also think that in the future who knows maybe Connor Joe's terrible in the future but no Connor Joe is the future <laughs> yeah he's, he's uh, legit man he, he, in 53 games he's put up a win you know but maybe in a full year he, he can put up uh you know a little bit more replace some of that 
uh, production. Uh, Brennan Rogers, I think that he needs to get even more playing time. He, he's only played in 68 games this year, and he's been productive this year. Obviously, Chuck is, you know, he's kind of dead weight at this point, but what you going to do? The, the issue, like, with the team this year in particular <laughs> has been, and stop me if you've heard this before, it's the bullpen. The, the bullpen has been unbelievably terrible let me let me pull up the the pitching stats the team pitching stats this year and break it down for you so and starting pitcher war and i switched over to fan graphs i'm sorry it's just ease of use the colorado rockies if you just look at the starters have the 15th best war in major league baseball you know that's pretty good or no excuse me the starters are ninth um overall that's a top third of the 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 league type of rotation i also think this is a tangent but i think that john gray is going to stay i think that he's just the type of person that would stay and then you look at relieving war and obviously this is not a perfect stat but relief war colorado rockies are number 28 Mm. like not even close like awful 0.3 war on the season from the bullpen slightly better than the Phillies. Oh god, Phillies bullpen. Yeah. <laughs> um and the Diamondbacks. Legitimately Baltimore has has two full wins out of their out of their bullpen more than than the Rockies do this year. And you know, behind the good teams, the Seattle's or yeah, I guess Seattle is good this year. Uh the Yankees, the Rays, the Dodgers, the White Sox were four five wins behind them in, out of bullpen war. So, if you just break it down, hitting, you know, the, the offense isn't good. But, it, you know, it's not terrible. Pitching, the starting pitching's pretty good. And the bullpen is terrible. Um, so I, I <laughs> spend a bunch of money on the bullpen. That's what we say, should yeah, do. Let's, Have let's we ever tried super, that before? Super Bullpen 2.0. Let's super bring it back. Super Bullpen. Let's do it. Okay. One thing I'd like to say. The Rockies offense has been terrible this year. They have the second worst WRC plus of any team in baseball that's because the park adjustments are broken but you're right uh, you're right no you, you're right they're they're a bad offense. they're a bad offense. For, for whatever reason they're like across the uh advanced defensive statistics they are rated as just about the best defensive team mm-hmm. in baseball which is pretty interesting ryan mcmahon has a, be... ryan mcmahon has the highest defensive war in baseball per baseball reference so there's Wouldn't something it be so funny if if wouldn't it be funny if he won the gold? I I really hope for it. That would be that would be so funny. He's, be he's he's yeah. He's also leading in outs above average in the National League too. So this isn't uh, Ryan McMahon is elite defender. No, he's he's uh, Matt Chapman level over there on the hot corner. Um, are there any other examples of like good defensive third baseman out there? Devers, uh, but that's the wrong league. Uh, yeah, I can't think of one. No, uh, not a single one. Mm-mm. I feel like Calendario's pretty good, you know. <laughs> yeah, out there in Detroit. 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 Uh, it's, Cand- so, it's Candelario, not Calendario. Just, yeah. Just as that a, was a bit as as a, I have to defend my Detroit, <laughs> my my second team out here in uh, Hillsdale, Michigan. It is clearly Tigers. Candelario. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean. The the park effects are broken in in some way. I I think I think that you know they don't. The, the Rockies. If you look, if you split it up by home and away, the Rockies' offense has been 
just so much worse on the road um, than it has been at home. And, and that's, you know, that's something we've seen somewhat in the past. It's it's much more so this year. And also Rocky's pitchers are pitching, like, if you adjust it, better at home, which is also weird. Uh, but we, we won't go into that. I, I just think that, like, if we look at the successful Rockies teams in 2017 and 2018, which we can, you know, say how successful they really were, but they weren't ever that bad on the road. You know, this, that, some, for, I don't know if they figured something out or if they, what happened, but like the Rockies, we forget that, like, I think in 2018, they were, they won like 44 games or 45 games at home. They weren't that good at home. Yeah. And now this Rockies team might win like 58 games at home or something ridiculous. Um, and, and I don't know. I just don't think like, clearly we can't say that like, okay, for the Rockies to be good next year, they just have to, you know, be 11 games under 500 at home. That's, that's just not, they're playing over their heads at home they're likely playing you know under where they should be on the road no team is is that bad but i i just think if you look at it the issues with this team are bullpen and offense and uh you know there's uh, certainly a question of should we you know maintain a fairly low offense to maintain our good defense i think that's a reasonable thing but i think they could add you know pieces here and there, you know, CJ Crone types. I mean, they're, I think we're going to see a fair amount more like we have in the uh, recent years of fairly good players settling for uh, not very much money. The question at that point is, will uh, Montfort be willing to open up the pocketbooks for it? And, you know, he has in the past. If, if Dick Montfort truly looks at this, like he looked at, you know, after the 2016 season when the Rockies, you know, looked like they were sort of coming up. And he, you know, went out and he signed um, Ian Desmond. He signed Greg Holland. You know, he went out and he got those little pieces. I mean, is he going to do that again? I know this could be complicated by the CBA negotiations, but I, I'm i with you, Tom. I think Gray's going to be back. I think he's going to sign. He's going to sign the qualifying offer, to be honest. Um, I that's yeah just I think where so I too. see that going. Um, um, so I I don't know I there's there's still part of me that's like the fact that we're even having this conversation is ridiculous. Like a year from now the Rockies are are still gonna be bad, and and maybe we're just stuck in an eternal loop. But there's just part of me that's like man I I just I can't stay like mad at the big picture of it all for too long like go out and try what the hell go for it yeah and that's the other thing is you you look at the current because uh, the second wild card i think also changes the calculus here the rockies are never you know they're never going to be the dodgers they're just they don't have the resources they don't have the, the manpower they don't have the brand they just they're not going to be the dodgers and you know the Padres thought they had it all figured out this year, and they're they're barely they're actually I think they're on the outside of the playoffs yeah, looking in right out now. Of the playoffs. You know the Reds this year were not you know last year is supposed to be the Reds year, uh, and the, suddenly the Reds are good this year. So yeah, no, I think that 
there's just enough randomness in baseball that you always want to at least just put your put your name in the hat you know even even if it's not gonna be you know astounding or, or there's nothing on the team that makes your jaw drop like just put out a competitive team I, and one thing i will say is you look back at the the competitive window the quote-unquote competitive window the rockies had which i guess is just 2017 and 2018 right maybe 2019 you can say they underperformed but you know it, it was the writing was kind of on the wall already you know kyle freeland put up eight eight war that year in 2018 yep. you know you, you need like crazy random crap to happen like in order to to put yourself in a position to compete with the dodgers and, and that's what happened this year that year so you know i i think you know there's just enough rolling the dice in baseball that i never ever want to resemble the orioles and, and i think one point i'd like to make is i think at this point where we don't have story to trade or arenado to trade or uh, John Gray, if this team like truly does tear it down to the studs, they would be bad for oh, yeah. like an Orioles amount of time. They just they really don't have many assets. I mean Marquez, you know, I I think Marquez could get like a legitimately great package for him. But other than that, I mean, I I just they they don't have many assets. I I think there's a legitimate chance too. Um, and and I know this is pure speculation that the playoff field is expanded after this year. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's going to go to the full 16 teams like it was in 2020. I heard them talking about like seven teams and you'd give the one seed in each, um, each league a, a buy. Um, I, I don't, I don't like that that much because it screws up my uh, playoff pool at the end of the year <laughs> with my family, but you know, could be good for the Rockies. Yeah, that, something like that. You just have would to determine it, like, who's the best brash, and then that person gets a buy. I swear to God, if Sam wins again this year, <laughs> I'm gonna lose it. Um, but you know, something like that would like actually make it um, make sense to try and be a 500 team. I guess sort of. You'll you'd probably still see teams. You know, you've seen teams in the past like not really care about the second wild card like the the mariners this year were like two games out of the playoffs um at the trade deadline and they were like you know what we're gonna sell off some of our assets so you'd probably just see more of that because it's baseball's become brutally capitalistic but maybe for a team like the rockies that could work out in their favor and you know there there is something of value if the rockies were to zig while the other teams zag you know they could find those guys who other teams don't want to sign and, and get them for less than than they maybe should be making you know there there's the market is less now because there are fewer teams trying if the rockies try and make some shrewd moves and make more of these like kind of low risk uh high reward kinds of moves like we saw with you know the cj crone signing for example you know maybe that's a sign of at least some amount of like organizational acceptance that they need to do things a little bit different you know i i i don't see if if the playoff field expands to 14 teams or 12 teams or whatever it might be i i don't think it's that crazy to think the rockies could be a playoff team in 2022 
Wow, we've done it. It's, yeah, we've gotten we, all we, the way back to we, uh, convincing ourselves the Rockies. The Rockies are going to be a playoff team. organization. A what, what else is this podcast going to be? Are we just going to no, complain I'm with the you. whole we, time? It's, yeah, it's, it's taken 45 minutes to get there, but we've done it. I'm proud of us. I, <laughs> couple shrewd moves I mean, away for being a playoff team. That's that's. I like it. I'm in. I mean, listen, the in. Red Sox were 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 absolutely ter- absolutely terrible. I mean, and they might be terrible again this year, but th- this maybe this has just been a particularly strange year. But yeah, COVID. Has Co- COVID. It's the COVID year. It's COVID year expanded. That's still uh, the, that's still definitely in place. COVID so made the year, Giants really good. Yeah, I, that doesn't make sense. So it's going to be next year. Now that we're fully returned to normalcy, unless we you know we keep getting more covid get vaccinated psa i don't know if you've heard it before but i think it's the official stance of this podcast to get vaccinated i'm just just making sure the official yes. stance of this podcast is your body your choice no yeah <laughs> all right i, I will mean, personally turn in my, i got my... vaccinated but i, I don't want to be the guy telling other people like, you know like that's not my place that's not your place yeah it's more of a quiet shaming of people who don't get vaccinated rather than an active you know evangelizing god yeah and i'm not afraid to to dab on some graves you know that's <laughs> that's never bothered me too much <laughs> yeah yeah i mean that's how else do you do a colorado rockies podcast other than passive aggressively and strangely optimistic well um you know is, is there anything anyone else wants to say i mean here we are like we have gone pretty much the whole year the last time we recorded was uh when Breidich got fired which was you know when this team looked like they were going to be that 110 lost team that we predicted and you know things have changed it, it, it's just it's impossible to 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 admit and and i know there is an amount of of optimism here that like i, I couldn't not root for the rockies if i tried you know i tried i I, I, not... I tried and Con- yeah. connor joe was cherry on top i'm all the way back in i made it you know yeah. up until july really just not really paying attention but i uh, i'm all the way back in go rockies go rockies yeah and connor joe walks we haven't had a guy who walks in so long. Rotoparo was pretty he good at that. He actually walks. <laughs> no, he was not, William. He was very bad at that. And we oh went from gosh. like a Josh Fuentes at the beginning of the year. God, he is so bad. But did you guys, fun fact about Josh Fuentes, he's Nolan Arenado's cousin. Ah. Uh, what? I, I hadn't heard that before. Yeah. What? It's true. Interesting. Look it up. Yeah. Wow! Uh, Guess the Hiroto Parra's career walk rate. Four point one. Okay, there we are. Yeah, it's uh, seven point four actually. Okay, uh, oh, that's not that bad. That's... Guess what his walk rate was in 2016, the year we're all thinking of. Three point two. Uh, two point four. Wow, two point four! You nailed it. Dab. Sorry, it's an audio uh, medium. So <laughs> yeah, to... God, he was so bad that year. Yeah, but then wasn't he pretty good the next year? Wasn't he pretty good? Uh, he was in the positive uh, war. Yeah, he had some good moments, if I recall yeah. correctly. So he World was, Series like, good in like yeah, Baby Shark. Yeah, do, he won. Do, he won do, World do, Series. Do, do. 
So, as far as I'm concerned, Gerardo Perez, Soraki's legend. He, he wow, he's playing this year. I didn't know he was back from Japan. Yeah, who, who's he with? Is he back with he's the back Nationals? He's back with the Nationals, yeah. Ah, good for him. Doing bad. Not not doing good, but, <laughs> you know, that's all right. I bet he's having a lot of fun. His yeah. strikeout rate has <laughs> increased by 10 percentage points since he, mm-hmm. he went abroad, but... I, I'm I'm happy for Gerardo. Oh, you always had to like Gerardo. Oh yeah, of course. Um, I don't know. I mean, the, speaking of Gerardo, you know the the main complaint about you know the internal at least complaint, and maybe some sycophants were repeating this was that um, after uh, Cargo and um, Para left, the Rockies were pr- a pretty joyless team. And I think, like, there's some truth to that, and I think Arenado certainly did not help. I think he was a bit of a, a mopey kind of guy when the Rockies weren't yeah, doing well. Yeah, Arenado, bad clubhouse guy. I think it's time we had that conversation. <laughs> Is Arenado actually a I, negative value player for how much he kills the vibes? Yeah. This him and his, stu- I mean, him and his stupid Travis Scott. That's his entire personality is Travis Scott <laughs> and playing defense. And it just wasn't enough to get the boys going. I think that was the issue. I think there's an argument oh, to be yeah. made. The Rockies are a worse team this year with Nolan Arenado <laughs> and his stupid Travis Scott than Austin Gomber yeah. and the uh, Great Vibes he brings. Yeah, you know, Austin Gomber, ha- half as much production as Nolan Arenado this year, too, which that's pretty good. Like, that's pretty, pretty good, good production. Yeah. And there's one of, the, one of the prospects is in, like, Hartford – tearing it up right i think i did hear about that yeah yeah i don't know that trade's still gonna be bad like they they shipped him off although i i can't be the only one who's getting some uh perhaps perverse satisfaction to see the cardinals oh like god i love it the playoffs (laughs) it makes me so happy it is the only thing (laughs) keeping me going my roommate here is a is a cardinals fan he uh he is sporting the powder blue nolan arenado jersey which he uh he likes to wear around oh. as much as possible but that's pretty terrible. sweet every that's single awesome. every you know once a week the cardinals have you no know, the agonizing loss and it's always brings me so much satisfaction just sending him the text <laughs> saying hey how'd the cardinals do tonight do tonight didn't see it <laughs> so at the very least uh, at the very least we have that and that's um yeah. that'll 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 keep that's... me going no, I'm looking at the uh, Pythagorean win-loss record. Sorry, Joe, were you going to say something? No, no, go ahead, Tommy. I'm sure what you have to say is very important. Much it's more not, important. but um, I I thought it was. I haven't looked at the Pythagorean win-loss records this year, and uh, the Rockies are basically right on track. In fact, they are in the unlucky category. Yeah, uh, they should they should be 59 and 66 according to Pythagoras. Um, the luckiest team. Anyone want to guess? It's got to be the Mariners. It's the Mariners by so much. It's double the <laughs> yeah. next the number two team. Yeah, I don't uh, know what's going on there, but <laughs> it's one of those years, I guess. They have a negative run differential, and they're ten games over five hundred. Um, pretty like it's like neg- It's like what the Rockies is, right? Isn't it like negative forty or something? Uh, the run different. Y- yes, actually, we have a better run differential than them. <laughs> <laughs> That's wild. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. Um, the the unluckiest team in baseball this year. Any guesses? There's two tied. Uh, uh, 
it could be like a very bad team. This is always a bit difficult to think about. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and say the Marlins. I'll I'll say oh, yeah. the I'll I'll say the Braves. Mm, okay, no, it's the Marlins. <laughs> Son ah, of a bitch. All right. Um, yeah, actually, they're tied with the Blue Jays. Um, negative uh, eight. And uh, so they're. I really wish. Blue Jays. I really wish the Blue Jays were to have made the playoffs this year, which is it's not looking good for them. But as long mm. as long as I, uh, Oakland does not get another stupid wild card game. I'll be happy. I, <laughs> they will. I hate. They they have to. It's death taxes in the Oakland Athletics playing in the wild card game, <laughs> and and then losing, and then losing. Yeah, and it's gonna and happen losing. again this year. So I'm praying for the Red Sox to make a little bit of a, you know, second life, and <clears> that <throat> and that's gonna be a great game. Yankees Red Sox, on. Uh, I I I just I just can't ever root for the Red Sox. They, I I would much they, they I would, broke my heart. Yeah, I I think I was a little too young to have the true scarring that it might have had on you two. Um, it was more of just a fun type of thing, which I you know I got to go to a playoff game and all these random people are high fiving and everybody was happy, and that was my biggest memory from it. Not necessarily that we were four wins away from a world series because it just it didn't mean that much to me at the time so i'm i'm in on the red Sox. i love rafael devers and i'm hoping for a yankees red Sox wild card matchup because that's going to be it's going to be must watch tv and it's going to be so much better than yankees and stupid oakland athletics and mark canna batting three <laughs> and i don't i there's no part of me that wants to see that i i hate it but he'll go it. for one for two get walked and get hit by a pitch so, yeah you know <laughs> It'll be very exciting. All right, I, I want to bring up the Mets yeah. real quick. Oh, oh please. Poor Mets. Mets. Lol Mets. Lol Mets. Man, they were just like in charge of that division for like four months, and now they have like a two percent chance of making the playoffs. It's I I it's it's sort of sad. I mean, the, the NL East this year has made me question all like modeling. You know, when it comes to playoff odds and all these things the Mets at the beginning of this month had a 70% chance of making the playoffs they're down to a 6% chance meanwhile Atlanta has gone from a 11% chance up to 77 um, with the Phillies going from 18 up to 57 and then back down to 20 in between the the brief rise of the Phillies who uh, basically gave it away as soon as they had it by getting swept by the D-backs Oh my yeah. gosh, that's that's yeah. embarrassing. Yeah, no, the NL East, it's a lot of fun. It's the only, oh, I don't know, the, the NL West is kind of exciting too. But the the East is the one I've actually been watching every night. I know I told you this, but I, I just know for a fact that like in like early September, which I guess is in like a week now somehow, or, you know, mid-September, it's going to be pretty close and the Dodgers are going to go to San Francisco for a series and then sweep them and then never look back and win the division. Yeah. I just, I, I, I will never, until it happens, until it is clinched, I will never believe that the Dodgers will not win the NL West. I'm with you. In fact, right now, the, the, the odds, the models are giving the Dodgers a better chance. So, which yeah, I guess is to be expected uh, because the, the, the yeah. Giants have to play the Dodgers while the Dodgers only have to play the Giants. Yeah, it's um, true. A little easier for them. 
Yeah, I you know. And once I, the I'm once sure the Dodgers the Giants... get Trevor Bauer back, they're also going to be a force to be reckoned with. Oh, don't sing. No, come on. We're not going to talk about. It. We are not equipped to talk about that Can't on do our it. podcast. No, this it is, is not it is not for us or the people. Time, place, people, all wrong. It would. We would. I. I. I couldn't. I couldn't be stopped from making some sort of joke, and I don't want to put myself in that <laughs> position. Yeah, why are you doing this to poor Joey, William? It's true. It's it's cruel, well, if you ask me. Well, yeah. I was going to bring it up during the free agent talk, in which you know, Trevor Bauer has that player option, so I was thinking maybe the Rockies could get him to opt out and make a splash in free agency and sign Trevor Bauer on a $1 million deal. It's just like... Man, because the thing about it is, like, I I know that, like, if Trevor Bauer came here, like, I'd be pissed. And then if he started, like, pitching well, I'd be like, you know what? I kind of like this Trevor Bauer guy. I don't want to be in that position. Not, like, actually like him. Yeah, I don't think there's anything we can do to win over over my heart anymore, unfortunately. We know too much. Yeah. We know the details too much regardless of how yeah. many tweets and screenshots he sends out uh it's just not it's not working it's i'm not drinking the kool-aid like you know a much less uh ridiculous example would be jose reyes or egregious example uh who did i guess throw his wife through a wall or something yeah he, he, but, cho- um, he choke slammed his pregnant girlfriend through a glass yeah. glass door i think yeah Halloween. Yes. He he could have like been an MVP that year, and I don't think I would have rooted for him. Like honestly, he was the worst. That I, might I be don't that, think so. that might be the worst. He might be my least favorite Rocky of all time. Yeah, but he was bad. I you know I, I, I just think that like if we learned that like I don't know. I'm not gonna go into this because it's gonna go down a dark path. My main point is like you know ultimately we're baseball fans and. And I I don't, I, I don't trust again. That's yeah, what it comes he's down probably to. not, and yeah. that's probably that's probably a good. I, who thing. knows that's, though? I I wouldn't. I mean, I wouldn't count count it out. I he he should receive I, the max two yeah. year suspension at the very least if he's not going to prison. So it's just the you know from what I've read the like burden of proof there, you know to to prove like a once consensual encounter turned into a non-consensual encounter it's very unlikely he will actually like be convicted of anything i don't doubt that at all i think he's getting blacklisted like you know it's a it's a bond situation you know (laughs) barry bonds was so good in his last year obviously a much different situation but that i think that that even proves the point right like bonds didn't do anything like this morally uh I don't know what's the what the word is de- degrading just just bad and he was blacklisted after putting up like almost MVP level like numbers so it's not unprecedented well there we go we said All we right, weren't yeah. going to talk about it and sorry. we talked about it sorry to sorry to <laughs> yeah. do that to you guys it happened <laughs> I I think we'll see I think you're probably right though Thomas I think like the backlash would just be so enormous that it would probably outweigh the uh the benefit of signing someone like trevor bauer after he serves his suspension yeah i think a lot would need to go his way for anything else to happen 
But uh, Connor Joe, he's a good guy. Connor yeah, Joe he, is he the walks. Best Connor guy. Joe. He walks, cancer survivor. <laughs> he's uh, he's all I want in a baseball player. He's he's perfect. And I he is great. And I cannot and wait I like for him the, to be the, like face chanting, of the franchise. Joe, 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 Joe at the Joe, hockey stadium. Joe. That's really fun. Yeah, I of agree. Of course, you like it. Yeah. You know what? A little bit self-centered. That's why you said. That's why you said I liked Blade Runner twenty forty nine. <laughs> is because the Ryan Gosling character was named Joe. That had nothing to do with it. They named him Joe. It wasn't that his name was Joe. Like in the, like halfway through the movie, they're like, "You are Joe." Yeah. So what? So that's why you like it. <laughs> no, that's not why I like it. It's a very good movie. It is, but that's you know that's not why you like it. Okay. Well, I guess we can just agree to disagree. Um, all right. Well, I believe that is all we have. Everyone, thank you for joining us. Our fiftieth, our special fiftieth episode. We'll, we will bring on some of our favorite guests. It's coming up soon, so mark that on your calendars. Uh, write it down as whenever we get to it. Um, and yeah, everyone, go Rockies. Go, go Rockies. Rockies.